this podcast from Jubilee Church Derby, a church family looking to make a difference across the city of Derby and beyond. This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations, and you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. Just to say the uh, Christmas carol leaflet on the back talks about the other things that are happening over the Christmas season. It doesn't mention the unmentionable word party on the 9th. Uh, but, uh, so Christmas party on the 9th, as Brad and Dan were, were talking about. Uh, 10th is uh, the, the carol service in the evening. So no morning meeting here, but evening carol service. The 17th is the all-age Christmas celebration with puppets. And then on the 24th of December, that's Christmas Eve, in case you didn't know. You see, you learned something this morning. 24th of December, a first for us, is going to be our acoustic, unplugged Christmas Eve service. It's going to be in the box just through there where normally uh, the Frog Club happens. It'll be a much shorter meeting. And uh, what do we call it? Jubilee Chapel or something, I think, didn't we, at, at one point? Um, so that's on Christmas Eve. So do join us for that. It's going to be uh, a great time just to thank God uh, for all that he has done for us to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Great opportunity on Christmas Eve. Uh, and then on the 31st of December, no meeting. Back on the 7th of January. So it's all there. Everything you need to know about the Jubilee Christmas season, apart from the party, is on that leaflet. So please take it. Please use them. And um, I'm hoping that they will all go this morning. There'll be none left in the box. So uh, please do take them. Please do use them. Trust they'll be of benefit to you. Okay. So over the last few weeks, we've talked about being a mission-minded community. That's been the theme of our preaching series over this term. We've looked at some different things in different weeks. We've talked about the importance of both building community and also being on mission, how both are important. To be a true biblical community, as Jesus intended, we need to have both in place. It's not one or the other. It's not either or, but rather both and. And churches tend to go wrong when they only have one, when it's just community or just mission. So we do need to be loving one another. Jesus said that uh, by this, uh, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So we do need to love and care for one another. That is important. Healthy families care for each other, don't they? And that's, that's been our experience. They give themselves to one another. They go out of their way to help one another. And this is important in the church family as well. And many of you will have benefited from that. I know, I know we have, as uh, people have loved and, and cared us in, in different seasons. But a church that only focuses on community, that only focuses on loving one another, can become very inward-looking and over time will really just wither away because nobody new will join. Anyway, it doesn't seem that important anyway. So actually, it's vital that we don't just focus on community because that's not enough on its own, but rather we look at mission as well. 
And again, it's not just mission, but it's mission and community. We need to have both. And a healthy, balanced church will indeed have both. And that's one of the reasons for this series. We need to have both. We need to be reminding ourselves of both. It's fair to say looking out is harder than looking in. So most churches, my observation is this, that over time, unless challenged or reminded, tend to become inward looking. That tends to be the default. That's the trajectory for most churches unless they're reminded often and well. I don't know of many churches where the trajectory is just mission and not loving one another unless it's challenged. I think it's normally the other way around. Now, it's true, isn't it, that you know you might be wired in a particular way where your default, if you like, is to be more pastoral, to be more loving, to be more concerned about those in the church. Or you might be wired a way where your default is mission. We just need to be out there. We need to be telling people about Jesus. We need to be out on the streets and inviting people to, to a carol service and all sorts of stuff. And you can probably look around the church and, and identify different people in, in those two groups, I would imagine. But you see, the truth is we need one another, don't we? We need people that have got a passion to love one another, to disciple them, to care for them, to see them growing God, to be loved and healed up, set free. And we also need people who have got a passion for getting out there and reaching new people with the gospel, telling them that Jesus loves them and that there's a plan and purpose for their life that God has had and they just want to tell them all about it. And you're probably wired one of those two ways, I'd imagine. But you see, in community, we need both. We need you, whether you're wired on a pastoral side or a mission side, because we need both in the kingdom of God. We need both in Jubilee, both in the church. So our renewed vision statement says this, we want to be a vibrant community, shaped by the Spirit, equipped by the Word, and sent to the nations. We want to be a vibrant community, shaped by the Spirit, equipped by the Word, and sent to the nations. You see, Jesus calls us together in order to then send us to the world, to send us to the nations. He calls us for mission. I guess a question we often ask of other churches, and indeed people ask it of us, is um, they say, what evangelism are you doing? What outreach are you doing? As if it was just a little thing on its own. But actually, reaching out and loving people who don't know Jesus yet is the very purpose for our existence. That We might love one another and then love those that don't know Jesus yet. So it isn't as we've got a little bit of an evangelistic project, but rather that should be what we're about, shouldn't it? David Devonish, in his book, What on Earth is the Church For?, puts it like this. He says, evangelism and mission are not additional functions of the church in which only the most keen and enthusiastic members become involved. They are the whole raison d'etre for the church's existence. So it's not just about a few people, but actually it's the reason we exist. P.J. Smythe, in his book, The World Needs More Small Group Leaders, says this. He says, in a master stroke of satanic genius, today's church is riddled with the unbiblical assumption 
that the church is primarily a pastoral community that cares for her members. Whilst the radical types get on with the evangelism and missionary work, supported by the normal ones. No, 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 he says. God's intention is that the church itself is a mission agency with everyone involved. We are a pioneering community on a mission and will meet each other's needs on the way. Pastoring each other is vital, but it must be done in the context of mission. So loving one another, pastoring one another, discipling one another, caring for another is vital, but it's in the context of we're going somewhere, we're on mission, we're reaching people who don't know Jesus yet. Do you understand? So what on earth is the church for? Steve Devon should put it, it's a mission. John Piper, the American pastor, says this, he says, mission exists because worship doesn't. God is after worshippers. And the way he's going to get more worshippers is by us telling people about him and his love for them. So this morning, what I want us to look at in the remaining time we've got together is, um, is about being a mission-minded community that is sent to the nations. And to be clear, there is lots for us to do here. You know, Derby is a city of somewhere around about a quarter of a million people in the unitary authority itself. Then you've got a wider draw uh, around the edge. And, uh, you know, there's a vast populace around us that don't know Jesus yet. And we're about to plant a church in Burton. So you might think, well, with all that going on, with what we're doing in the city, with what we're doing down the road in Burton, can we even start thinking about the nations? Or is that just completely crazy? Actually, God calls us to the nations. It's really important that we don't miss it. We could think, hey, we've got enough to do here. And yes, we've got lots to do here. And it's great to work in the city with a whole bunch of other churches that we want to partner with and serve with and love and reach this city with. But you know what? God calls us to lift our eyes and to look to the nations. And what we're going to look at in Scripture in a moment is what he has to say about that in his word. So shall we pray? And then we'll get to open up the Bible together. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. We thank you for your word to us. And in these moments, as we open up the Scriptures, Father, we pray that you would speak to us. We pray, God, that you would lift our eyes to the nations that we would see your great plans and purposes as you've made clear in your word and how you want to catch us up in it. God, we ask that you would speak to us now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, so why the nations then? Why is this such an important subject? Well, let's think about what the Old Testament says to start with. In Genesis 1, Adam was told to fill the earth and subdue it. Not just the Garden of Eden, but the earth. Not just his little patch, but actually the earth. In Genesis 9, we get God's covenant with Noah, which is be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. Genesis 9, 7, be fruitful, increase in number, multiply on the earth and increase upon it. 
right at the heart of God's instructions, and indeed his promises, are the earth, or the world, the nations. With Abraham, a little bit further on, it gets even more specific here. Because now, with, with Abraham, it's not just about an individual, or even about a family, but God start, starts speaking to him about a nation. And more than that, that this nation was meant to be a blessing to others. So even the nation wasn't just meant to look after itself, but rather to demonstrate something to other people who were far from God. So Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord has said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. Listen to this. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You might think that sounds like a crazy promise. God had just been speaking to Abraham, telling him to leave his, uh, his father's household and go to a place that he didn't even know about yet. But by doing that, God was going to bless him and increase him, make him into a great nation that then, through that, all peoples on earth will be blessed. Well, that's just an amazing promise, isn't it? You might think, well, Abraham's thinking... Well, okay, Lord, it's just me and, and, and the, you know, the, the family and the whole bunch of cattle and stuff. Uh, and, and through me, you're going to make a nation that blesses other nations, all peoples on earth, really? But that's what God said. And surprise, surprise, that's what God did. Because when God says it, he does it. So even though God was calling them to be a nation, the intention was always they'd be a blessing to others. And part of the problem the Jewish people encountered time and again throughout their, their history as recorded in Scripture is that their understanding of this tended to falter and they forgot the promises that God had spoken to them about. They became more interested in themselves than being a blessing to others. So we get to Isaiah, and in Isaiah 49, verse 6, Isaiah prophesies something to bring the people back on track. This is Isaiah 49, verse 6. That's what he says. It is too small a thing for you to be my servants, restore the tribes of Jacob, and bring back those of Israel I've kept, God says. I will, make, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. Recognize the same phrase there? It comes back, Isaiah 49, verse 6. So that is our mission field, to the ends of the earth. We are sent to the nations. <clears throat> and right throughout the Old Testament, it's clear that God's heart is for the whole earth, all the nations, all the peoples. So what happens when we get to the New Testament times? Well, we don't have time this morning to look at everything. But let me give you a few highlights to explain what we're, we're looking at here. What did Jesus have to say, for example? Well, in Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus says this, Go and make disciples of all nations. Matthew 28, 19, if you're taking notes there. Go and make disciples of all nations. 
Then in Acts 1, verse 8, Jesus says to the disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Recognize the same phrase again? And to the ends of the earth. Isn't it interesting? I I could stay on that verse all morning and I, I shouldn't, but just to remind us, isn't it interesting that Jesus makes it clear the Holy Spirit, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and he immediately links it to mission. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses. It isn't you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll feel good. You'll get Holy Spirit goosebumps. <laughs> or that, you know, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be able to prophesy. Or you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and such and such. All those things are good, don't get me wrong. But isn't it interesting what Jesus says immediately about it? You receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The early church initially focused on Jerusalem, that's where they were. But when persecution came, they were scattered into a whole bunch of other places. And so they were then forced to think about the communities and locations that they found themselves in. In Acts 9, we have the conversion of Saul. In Acts 10, it's really a tipping point here in in Acts 9 and 10, God gives Peter a vision. And then he's called by Cornelius, this uh, Gentile centurion. Uh, And in Acts 10, verse 34, Peter begins to speak. He says this, Acts 10, 34. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. Suddenly, he gets it. It isn't anymore just about the Jewish people. Actually, it's about all peoples. And really, that's been the trajectory anyway. But so often, they didn't see it. And the Holy Spirit comes, falls on those who are listening, those who are listening are baptised in water. And then in Acts 11, Peter has to explain to the other apostles what happened. It's like, ah, wasn't part of the plan, wasn't on the agreed mission itinerary here, but it's just like God turned up. The Holy Spirit came and, uh, and he did stuff. And... Um, The apostles conclude, Acts 11, verse 18, that God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. They get it. It isn't just about the Jewish people seeing their saviour and their messiah, but this is for all peoples, all nations. Isn't that good? Listen, it's really good because most of us here this morning, if not all of us, will be classified as a Gentile or a non-Jewish person. I'm assuming that's the vast majority, if not all of us, this morning. So, listen, without this, we would not be sitting here. Without God making it so clear, the gospel wouldn't have come to us. But God in his grace made it really clear, and the result of that, the gospel has come to us, and we have found faith and responded to God's invitation for a relationship. So, as far as I'm concerned, that's pretty good news, is it not? Because, because of it, we have found faith. But because of it, God calls us to to do the same. 
So from this point onwards, Acts 11 onwards, the early church and its leaders had a heart now for reaching other nations. As a result of them being scattered, people being reached, they now see that the gospel is indeed for every nation, every people group under heaven. And so you get to Paul, well, really everything that Paul did has got a sort of international feel about it. If there was anybody in New Testament times who was collecting air miles, if there was such a thing, you know, Paul would have got the most, I would guess. You don't have to look at his missionary travels and journeys and see the sort of distance that he travelled without the benefit of, of flight. It's quite really incredible. You see, he was always pressing forward, always wanting to reach new places where the gospel hadn't gone yet. You can just take a look through the book of Acts and see some of where he went and what he was up to. He got it. He realised this was for every people group, every nation. So if that's what we see in Scripture, and I realise that I've only given you some headlines, we haven't, you know, opened up any particular passage, so I just wanted to give you an overview of what the Old and the New Testament says. If that's what God's Word says to us, then what about you and me? What about us here this morning in a cinema in the centre of Derby? What's God saying to us? Well, in the Old Testament, God wanted the Jewish nation to demonstrate to the nations around that God loved them, that he had a plan and a purpose for them. But unfortunately, as the Bible records, they spent most of the time rebelling against God themselves. Now in these days, God wants the church to show the nations what he's like and what it's like to be part of his family. It's a prophetic promise. And he's calling you to be part of it. He really is. Repeatedly, the New Testament speaks not of people becoming Christians, but people being added to their number. You find that phrase a lot in the book of Acts. You find that people were added to them. So if they, people were added as they responded to Christ, what is it that they were added to? It was the church. They were added to the church. You see, we reach nations by planting and establishing vibrant churches that can then, in time, plant and establish other vibrant churches that reach people with the gospel. That's how we do it. That's how we do it. Paul says this in Romans 15. Romans 15, verse 19. Paul says, So from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. Now, just taken out of context, that is quite a statement, isn't it? You know, from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed, he says, the gospel of Christ. What does he mean? He's fully proclaimed the gospel. Well, it can't mean that he had spoken to every single person in that geographic area. It can't mean that. It doesn't mean that. But what it does mean is this, that he had established vibrant witnessing communities, planted churches that were able then to reach their local 
communities and reach the people around them. That's what he'd done. He hadn't spoken to every individual person. What he'd made sure was that were churches planted and established that then could reach where they were. God has a plan for a glorious end time church. One which expresses the life of God as a community and demonstrates the kingdom or rule of God as a city set on a hill in every nation, city, town and village. Do you believe that? Friends, we need to remind ourselves of what scripture says. This is what God promises, a glorious end time church, a new community that demonstrates the nations what it means to be that phrase, one new man in Christ. And the good news is that if you have responded to Christ, given your heart and life to him, then you're part of that vibrant community, the church. You're caught up in it. You are part of that body. Every one of you. You might think, oh, I just, I just go to church on Sunday. I might have a, on a good week, go to a life group in the, on a Wednesday night, and maybe a prayer meeting, and, uh, and then next Sunday comes around and I, I go to church again. We use that sort of phrase, that I go to church. The truth is we are the church. You and I are the church. We just happen to gather together and meet at particular points of time. But you're part of it. And, and friends, we need to go to the nations and be planting effective, mission-minded, vibrant churches in every people group and nation under heaven. That's what God has called us to. Yes, it is to reach our communities where we are. Yes, it is to reach the city of Derby, uh, to plant and establish and reach uh, uh, Burton, and in other areas that God is calling us to, but it doesn't end there. God is speaking to us increasingly about the nations and for us to play our part in reaching them. See, God's plan has always been for the nations, and he calls you to be part of it. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, you're caught up in that plan of reaching nations. The book of Revelation describes how on the final day, the end of time, there'll be people from every tribe and tongue and people group there worshipping Jesus. Revelation 7 says this, verse 9. After this, I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands and they cried out, cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Hallelujah. People from every nation, tribe, people and language. It echoes what the psalmist said in Psalm 67. Make all the peoples praise you. Not just some, but all the peoples praise you. And so it stands to reason that if at the end of time there are going to be people from every tribe and nation and people group and language in heaven worshipping Jesus, then it follows, doesn't it, that they need to therefore be told. They need to be reached with the gospel. They need to be given the opportunity to respond to God's love and grace for them in order that they can then be there and on that day worshipping Jesus. We're told the gospel must be preached to all nations 
before the end will come. So we must do it. It should drive us forward with our heart to reach other nations for Jesus, particularly unreached people groups. Now, you might, you might not have come across that phrase before. Let me explain what I mean. An unreached people group. What is it? Well, there are two popular definitions of what an unreached people group is. Number one is this. It's a people group with no indigenous or local witnessing church able to reach that nation. It's the first definition. A people group with no indigenous witnessing church able to reach the nation. There are currently nearly 7,000 people groups in that category. 7,000 people groups that don't yet have an indigenous witnessing church able to reach that nation. The second definition is this. A people group where less than 2% of the population are evangelical Christians. It's the definition that, that people use. There are more unreached people groups in India than anywhere else. And there's a whole lot of work for us to do. Some of you will know that um, God's been opening doors for us recently in the nation of Cambodia. And uh, I've been on a number of, uh, of trips out there working with different churches and leaders, doing some training, helping uh, church planting and pastors and, and so on. And um, I just checked again this morning, 99.3% of the population of Cambodia are classified as unreached. 99.3%. Pretty unreached, isn't it, really? And that's a nation that God is opening up even to us here this morning. Having a vision for the nations isn't just about travelling abroad. But actually, in the city that we live, God has brought the nations to us. Which is wonderful, isn't it? We don't actually we don't have to get on a plane, we can just get on a bus and reach people from another nation or another people group, another language. It's also about wanting to build a vibrant, multicultural church here in the city where many different people groups and languages are represented. Now, I totally believe that a church should reflect the community that it's in. So if we live in a vibrant, multicultural community, then, then shouldn't the church reflect that as well as we reach people? There's lots for us to do here. Lots for us to do. Wouldn't it be great to have some worship songs in languages other than English? It would, wouldn't it? Just think about it for a moment. Actually, we were so impacting and reaching a particular people group or language in the city that we needed to start singing some songs in different languages other than English. It's great. I think back to a time uh, just last year, I was with the uh, church in Phnom Penh in Cambodia, and uh, their, their, their word slides, they have three languages on. So for every song, which they sing in different languages, but their word slides has, has three, for every line, there's three lines. And, and the first line is, is Khmer script. Well, I've got no chance at that, so I'll just look at that. I don't know what that means. Uh, but that's, that's the first line for the, for the Cambodians. The second line is um, sort of phonetic 
Cambodian, phonetic Khmer script uh, for those who are trying to learn the language but you know, from an English base and uh, to enable them to try and sing along in Khmer but really explained phonetically for them. Uh, and then and the third line is for sort of uh, the rest of us <laughs> whose language skills are somewhat limited and it's just there in English so we can sing along as well. But I tell you, wouldn't it be good if we got to that? You know, it's not just an English song we're singing, but there are some other languages as well. And those of us who are not great at languages thinking, you know what, I want to learn and join in here in order that I can identify with and help reach my brother or sister in Christ and the people that they're reaching. Wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't that be fun? According to the 2011 census, we have people in Derby who are born in at least 57 different nations, plus others. So we assume it's more than that. Listen, what an opportunity to reach. What an opportunity to bless. What an opportunity to serve, to impact. We can touch the nations on our doorstep. So this morning, I want us to, I want us to have our hearts for reaching other nations. That may be going, it might be giving, it's most certainly praying. <coughs> We're part of an international apostolic family of churches. We've got personal links and friends in other nations. And particularly in Cambodia, as I referred to a minute ago, and we've got friends and ministry partners there. Right now, even, even this week, I'm meeting with a couple who are seriously considering a move to Siem Reap in Cambodia to plant a church there. And we're sitting down saying, God is speaking very clearly to them, and now we're getting excited again practically. What are the implications here? What needs to happen? What are some of the hurdles to overcome? Where do we need God to break through in order that you can go? This is what we're involved in. That's in a nation which over 99% of which is unreached. We've got a part to play here, friends. We really have. Some of our giving into Christ Central, so the, the weekend that we Ray referred to earlier, next weekend on the Saturday in Stoke, uh, as we gather there, uh, we're going to take an offering uh, for the work of Christ Central, which is a family of churches we're part of. Uh, and some of that goes to what we're doing in other nations. We're working particularly with teams in Zambia and Mexico, for example. In the wider New Frontiers family, there are over 1,500 churches right around the world. We've got people in places that we don't talk about publicly, publicly because it's too dangerous to. We're planting some churches in some pretty crazy places where you think, wow, that sounds like a dangerous place to be with the gospel, and I'm telling you it is. We never talk about it publicly, but that's the family of churches that we're part of and involved with. And that's some of the mission that we're doing together. So I want to encourage us this morning. In a moment we're going to pray. And I'm going to ask that God will speak to us about nations. And for some of you that may be that God puts on your heart a particular nation. And it may be you, you go. It's certainly that you pray. Maybe this morning God's going to give you a nation to pray for and to intercede and to, and to find out about and to be praying for the gospel to go in that nation. It might be that God's speaking to you about going. Maybe 
perhaps on a short-term team, maybe on a, a few weeks or a few months basis, maybe even longer term, who knows? Or maybe that God speaks to you in a moment uh, about the nations that are on our doorstep here in the city and how we can serve, bless, and reach them. I want to allow God to stir our hearts this morning for the nations. You up for that? That's how we're going to pray in a moment. That he would stir our hearts for the nations. You see, whether we stay or whether we go, reaching nations is something that we can all do and all have a part to play in. Amen? Amen. Let's stand together and uh, we're going to pray. <coughs> Perhaps the band would like to, to come back, please. Thank you. In a moment, we're going to worship the Lord as we close our time together. But before we do that, I just want to give a moment for God to speak. Because who knows what God might say? Who knows what God might do? Who knows what nations God may speak into hearts and lives this morning. Maybe in years ahead some of you will go. Maybe some of you will be have a heart for a particular people group and be praying and interceding for them. Maybe in these moments even God might speak about what we're doing here in the city and the peoples that are around us that need to be reached for the gospel. Let's just have hearts open to the Lord, friends, and let's just see what um, God might say to us. Father, we thank you that, uh, Lord, you want the nations to be reached with the gospel. Thank you, Lord, that your heart was always for more than just one nation. And thank you that you caught, up, caught us up in it. And so, Lord, in these moments, I want to pray now that you would come and that you would speak. Uh, Father, you'd speak into our hearts. Whether it's a nation to be praying for, or maybe in months and years ahead to have opportunity to, to visit and to serve in, whether it be in a short or longer term basis. Lord, would you speak right now? And Father, if it's for a particular peoples that have, have come to our city that we've known to, to love and, and be in, if it's a nation you've brought to us, I pray that you'd speak about that right now. Just in these moments, Lord, as we wait on you, would you speak into our hearts? Would you give us ears to hear from heaven? Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Lord, if you're reinforcing something you've spoken before, Lord, I pray that would be an encouragement and a provocation in equal measure. <laughs> that, Lord, you might use us to 
be part of what you're doing in the nations. Lord, thank you it's not all about us, it's all about you. But we do say we want to play our part. We do want to take this seriously and, and play our part in reaching nations for you. Lord, we thank you for links and opportunities, particularly in Cambodia. And God, I pray as we um, begin to talk and pray and think about uh, a church plant in Siem Reap, Lord, I pray for those who are praying about it at the moment, that God, you would open up the way. Lord, that we might have a part to play to be an encouragement and blessing in the journey. That Lord, we might see another church planted in that country that can in time plant other churches and reach the peoples in that nation. Thank you, Lord, for what, what you've surprised us with in recent years. <laughs> and we just we say this morning, we want to do whatever it is you're calling us to and play our part in it for your glory. Amen. Amen. If you feel God has spoken to you this morning about a particular nation or people group, be it uh, abroad or that have come to the city, can I encourage you this week talk to somebody about it maybe in life groups this week that can be a question did God speak to you on Sunday what nation was it what's God saying to you let's encourage one another in this talk about it and be blessing what God is doing amen, amen. let's worship the Lord as we close our time together thanks Anna